You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Given the opportunity, for those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, I'm sure that many of you could stand and share how God brought you to the present place that you're in right now. And all of you would have some really cool testimonies to share. Anyway, you're a part of that then. You're one of those clouds of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus. It's easy to get scared of spreading the gospel. What if they hate me? What if they think I'm insulting them? What if I do more damage than good? In today's message, Pastor Mike reminds us that the reason we want to share the good news with these people is because we care about them, not how they feel about us. When you remember the eternal consequences of their lives, doesn't it motivate you to share guaranteed salvation with them? The best way to do that is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 41 as he continues his message, The Secret to Joseph's Character. I remember what you said, you Joseph is standing before the king, standing before Pharaoh, and he interprets his dream. And basically, he explained that there are two periods of seven years, and that's what the cows and the stalks of wheat are all about. Uh, First of all, there would be a time of plenty, followed by a time of dearth and famine, verses 26 and 27. Should we read that? Let's read it. We'll do it quickly. Uh, The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. And so, again, there you have it. And therefore, because of the interpretation of this dream, Joseph interprets it for the pharaoh, for the king, but then he continues on and begins to counsel Pharaoh. And, uh, and this is no small thing. Think about it. He's, he's still pretty, uh, a pretty young guy. But there's such confidence and assurance that God's hand was upon his life. We've talked about this before, right? And, and he knew that he had the authority of God resting upon him. And so Joseph counsels Pharaoh to act accordingly. And so Pharaoh now is so impressed by Joseph's abilities and counsel and wisdom, what did he do? 
He's appointed prime minister over all of Egypt, and then he's given the task to see to all of the affairs during both periods of seven, during the years of plenty, as well as the seven years of famine. And so this part in the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph's elevation to this lofty position, right? Think about it as the prime minister. That would be the equivalent of a prime minister or a cabinet position or the vice president, if you will, in our United States of, a, of America. His elevation to that lofty position. Now, think about this. From the beginning, this was Joseph's destiny. It was all ordered by God. You know, God has a plan for each and every one of you. And there is a destiny that, you know, God is uh, already planning for, for your life. And you can be sure of that. In fact, one of our previous studies had to do with that very subject. And again, if you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks or you're visiting for the first time, by the way, welcome. And as Pastor Jose had mentioned, all of our previous messages, whether it's the King of Kings series on Thursday evenings or, or our Sunday mornings, our Origin series, they're archived on our website. And so you can just listen to them at your leisure. You can download them to an MP3 player, your phone, whatever, on your computer, and uh, whenever time allows. Listen to those previous messages. I believe that God will speak to you. But God has a plan for each and every one of us. And uh, he wants to use you to do great things. I mean, think about what a privilege it is to work alongside with God in this great occupation of furthering his kingdom and preaching the gospel. Isn't that an amazing, amazing thought? You know, it just changes the focus and the perspective of what life is all about. You know, you may feel as if, uh, you know, you're not accomplishing anything at your place of employment. Maybe you're, you know, your sense is just, you know, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Such a mundane, colorless life that I live. But when you have a perspective of, man, you're working alongside of God to further his kingdom, to preach the gospel, I mean, that changes your whole perspective, your whole outlook on life. You know, you may not have some other advantages that other people enjoy. You might not have a lot of money in your pocket or in your bank account. You might not have certain advantages for education or, you know, being born into a wealthy family or, or whatever. But nevertheless, every one of us has the opportunity to work alongside of God. And that thought changes everything, right? Think about that. What a privilege it is to work alongside of God in the great work of preaching the gospel. So right from the very beginning... This was Joseph's destiny. I wonder what your destiny is. I wonder where we're going to be in like two I mean, we might be with the Lord. I mean, who knows? But I wonder where we're going to be like, for example, next year. You know, if the Lord tarries, if the Lord doesn't come back to the church this next year. You know, the trumpets blow, the rapture happens, and we're out of here. But who knows? You know, Patty, you might not even be able to settle into Albuquerque. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. You'll have a man. Well, at least you, you have a mansion now in Albuquerque, but you have a better mansion in, all right, in heaven. Right? And, uh, but five years from now, you know, you just never know. You know, I, I think about uh, the day that I received Christ. I remember my wife and I were up in Alaska, and this is like going back some 40 something years, well, like 44 years, because it was within the first 
year of our marriage where both my wife and I gave our lives to Christ. We were up in Alaska. We were teaching school. Well, actually, we were waiting for our appointment. We were teaching up in a, you've heard this story before. You're probably bored to death with it. But we, we, uh, we were teaching at this Athabascan Indian village right on the Yukon River, right at the Arctic Circle. And we were waiting for our appointment to happen. And, uh, and we wound up in this Christian community for a couple of weeks while we were waiting you know, to get onto the plane and then be uh, you know, lifted to that location to begin our, our, our teaching assignment through Alaska State-operated schools. And, uh, and I had already, uh, the Lord had already moved Christian people across my path uh, prior to that time. And I had already met Chuck Smith from Calvary Chapel and all kinds of Christian people. I was out in California, hooked up with a bunch of I was already attending Bible studies, but I hadn't made a decision yet. But anyway, through a, a crazy, unusual series of circumstances, I remember the day that both my wife and I gave our lives to Christ. And as the pastor was leading me in the prayer, one of the deacons that happened to be standing alongside of him began to prophesy and said, you know, this guy Mike is going to be a teacher of your word. And I looked at him, and I was a school teacher at the time, but he told me that I was going to be a teacher, that I was going to be a pastor, a teacher of God's word. And I, you know, I just stopped and looked over to him. I said, this guy's out of his mind. You know, maybe that's what he was hoping that would happen in my life. And then who knows, you know, years later. And it's just amazing. Who knows what's going to happen or how God is going to use you down the road, Right. He has a plan. He has a purpose anyway. And our destinies are ordered by him. And so with Joseph, think about this. All of these events lining up was a culmination of a rise from slavery to greatness. It's a story unparalleled in the history of the human race. He was once trampled upon by life and everyone around him. Have you ever felt that way yourself? I mean, think about it. His brothers betrayed him, sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife unjustly accuses him of raping her, and thus he's thrown into prison. But now all of Egypt is commanded to bow before him, and he's second only to the king. Remember what we read in verses 43 and 44. He was to ride behind Pharaoh in another chariot, and as they passed, they were to bow down to Joseph. In 13 years, as I mentioned before, he's only 30 years old now. So in 13 years, from, from just a youth, a teenager, 17 years old, 13 years later, he's now 30. He went from a mere shepherd boy to assuming control of the mightiest kingdom upon the face of the earth. Now, does that sound familiar to any of you? Wasn't there another character where exactly the same thing happened? What was his name? It was David. Remember old David? Remember when the prophet Samuel came down to Jesse's house, when God had instructed him, go down to Jesse's house because, you know, I've, I've just had it with Saul. And, uh, and it just, you know, it saddened God's heart that he had appointed Saul as king over Israel, as the first king over. That was never God's intention. Uh, he alone, that is, God wanted to be Israel's monarch. But, you know, they cried out, we wanted a king as the other nations around us, and so... You know, anyway, they, God gave him a king. But you know the story, Saul like blew it royally. And so the Bible tells us that God even repented of uh, placing Saul upon the throne. And so he chose David 
in his place. And so now God instructs uh, Nathan, not Nathan, Samuel the prophet, to go down to Jesse's house and to choose one of his sons and to anoint him as king. And so all of these mighty men of valor you know, are standing before Samuel the great prophet and one by one they're passing by and, and, uh, you know, and sizing them up. All of these guys were just, you know, they were men of war. And, uh, you know, they, were, they would probably be starting uh, players for the New York Giants if you looked at them. I mean, they were just, you know, they were muscle guys. They were big guys. And uh, one by one, you know, no, that's not the one. Until finally, he turns to Jesse. You got any other kids? Yeah, but I got this little kid. He's a runt, you know, ruddy complexion. And he's, you know, he's got his head in the clouds. He, he just spends all of his days taking care of my sheep on the side of a mountain, playing his harp, writing songs. He, he couldn't be a candidate for the king of Israel. And, just, and uh, Samuel says, oh, send for him. And uh, so David doesn't even know what's going on, but he hears that Samuel, the prophet, is in his house, he goes down to the house. And before he can even speak a word, before he can even question what Samuel was doing there, he breaks his craft in two, and he anoints David from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes with this oil, and that is Israel's new king. So think about it. He went from a shepherd boy to the king of Israel, and at that time, it was the mightiest kingdom upon the face of the earth. Well, not exactly at that time, but later on. Isn't that true? So what does that prove us? What does that prove to us? God is in the business of promotion. God is in the business of success. He wants you to be successful. He wants to promote you. The only thing that would stand in the way of this, and this, listen, this is not a prosperity message, by the way. You know, God wants you to be wealthy and prosperous. And but nevertheless, God wants your life to be full and blessed and enriched. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm not talking about necessarily a lot of money or those kinds of things, you know, temporal kinds of things, right? But God is in the business of elevating his people and promoting us. And the only thing that can stand in the way is you. Get out of the way, if you will, because God is in the business of doing exactly that for his people. Okay, so with that said, let's talk about those things that recommended Joseph to Pharaoh upon their first meeting. And I want you to think about it. Pharaoh, first of all, though a pagan, now this is significant, I wanted to throw that in, just to remind you who it was that Joseph is standing before. He's a pagan. He worshiped these false gods, these idols of Egypt, these false gods of Egypt. And although Pharaoh is a pagan, he immediately perceives something unique in Joseph's character. In Joseph, what was that? It was his character. There was just something about him. You know exactly what I'm talking about? You know, when you were first, I hope that, you know, this is a part of your own experience now. You know, since you're seasoned and you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you also should have this very special character about you that people would be able to identify and sense within you. You remember what it was when you were sort of like on the fringes of Christianity and you ran into Christian people and you knew that there was something extremely different about them? It was the thing that made you want to inquire about what, you know, why was it that that person was so lit up? There was something unique about him. And I, you know, I wanted a little bit of that for myself kind of a thing. 
And, and that's what he sensed about Joseph. There was something unique about Joseph. What was that? It was his character. And God was the secret behind Joseph's character, which lent itself to great power and influence. And that always goes hand in hand. You see, it was because of his excellent character that power was passed into Joseph's hands. You have to put God behind Joseph. There's no other explanation for it. His character, think about it, was forged in adversity. His brother's betrayal, sold into slavery, Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, forgotten by the cupbearer. All of the while, he still remains faithful to God. I mean, how many of us would have just like blown God off at that point? You know, this is my life's experience? What a bummer. I mean, how do you reconcile those terrible things that went on in Joseph's life with a God who was supposed to supremely love him? How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the terrible things that are going on in your life right now? Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you had someone close to you, a member of your immediate family, or you've just gotten a report back from your doctor and you're facing an operation or sickness or whatever is going on, or you're getting your pink slip at work. They're downsizing and you know that you're going to be out of there and you don't know what the future holds for you. How do you reconcile that with a God who's... You're a kid. You're a child of God. You're one of God's kids. How do you reconcile that? You know, it's at that point where a lot of people who supposedly have taken the name of Christ bail out and walk out the back door. They slip out the back door. You know, man, I thought, uh, you know, everything would fall into place. I thought I'd be skipping down a country road, you know, throwing rose petals and as I go or whatever, and everything would just be wonderful and I'd never ever have any trouble or, or problems again. That's not what Christianity is all about. God uses those things to forge our character, right? And strengthen us. And that's exactly what happened to Joseph. His character was forged in adversity. As I mentioned, all of these different circumstances. That's where he found his strength to triumph. Where did he find it? He continued to look to God. Don't ever bail out on God. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're experiencing, just hang in there. God is using those things. He has a plan. How many times have you heard me say, you know, a part of our conversion experience, Lord Jesus, come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. I give you my life. Please take control of it. Make no mistake about it. He does take control. When you offer it to him, he does, in fact, take control of it. And whatever is going on in your life, there's a rhyme and reason to it. There's a plan. There's a destiny involved behind it. God is working out his eternal plan in and through your life. And so what do we need to do? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what is he referring to here? All of the Old Testament prophets, the way that God worked through these men's lives. That's the great cloud of witnesses. You can add your own. I mean, you know, if given the opportunity, for those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while, I'm sure that many of you could stand this morning and share how God brought you to the present place that you're in right now. And all of you would have some really cool testimonies to share. Anyway, you're a part of that then. You're one of those clouds of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? 
looking unto Jesus. Don't ever take your eyes off of him, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, that's where Joseph found his strength to triumph in spite of all of the circumstances, all of the trouble, all of the problems that he had to face and endure. And having triumphed, he would continue to look to God and therefore go from strength to strength. And it's quite remarkable. I mean, it was, you know, think about this. It was quite remarkable for Joseph to go from strength to strength in adversity. But think about this. Maybe you've never even considered this before. It's even more remarkable that Joseph continued to look to God in prosperity. Think about that. Because promotion can ruin people. It could cause them to forget God. Because now I don't have any time for God, the things of God. Hey, you know, uh, I've moved on. I've moved up. I have a new image to keep up. There's new activities. I need to advance myself socially. I need to promote my career. I need to forge new relationships. Listen, Christians can become impoverished by prosperity and brought low by promotions. So a word of caution to the wise here. You know, it may be even more dangerous than being in adversity. And the same thing can happen to nations. I mean, think about it. This is one of the reasons why I think our United States of America has ceased to be a godly nation. You know, there was this French political thinker and historian who said, and I quote, it wasn't until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great. This is the conclusion that he came to. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And you know what's happened, folks? We've turned our backs upon God. We've sown to the wind, as Hosea puts it, and now we're reaping the whirlwind or the consequences of that poor choice. We've grown and become affluent, powerful. And to continue on that course, America has forgotten God. We're too busy working towards those other things. And listen, gang, when we leave God out of our lives, we begin to lose touch with those things that are good. And thus it tears away at the fabric of our morality. But Joseph was not like that. He didn't say, you know, I'm sitting pretty now, (laughs) all going my way. The world is all mine to enjoy. No, even in prosperity, he had his eyes upon God still. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. You've been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.